Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. Listeners, welcome to episode 106. This is going down as Inspired to Recover, based on our author and repeat guest, Mallory Roosh, that's joining us in studio today. Mallory, how are you? I'm so good. So glad to be back with you guys. It's always a great time in the studio. We're stoked, right, Doc? We're stoked oh, yeah. to have Mallory back. You better believe we're stoked. I didn't get to be in studio last time. She yeah, was you're here, in so. person now. Yeah, I'm actually a human being. So it's back good. when we used to I'm going to try and recline. I'm going to recline during this podcast, though, if that's okay. I'm just going to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because you don't want to snuggle I'm, me? No, I'm tired from driving for four hours and having to keep my eyes open. I hate having to keep my eyes open. It's okay. Good. It's all good. There we go. Well, maybe that sounds like something else we're going to talk about today, New Year's resolutions. Why don't you get me some supplements that'll keep me awake? Hey, we can figure <laughs> that out. We can figure that out. So we're also going to talk today on New Year's resolutions. New Year, new me. Is that even a thing? Like, is that even in the realm of possibilities? We're going to touch on maybe some of that. We're also going to get to Mallory's book, Inspired to Recover. And of Mallory course, wrote a book? Dr. Sellers is here, so who who the heck knows where this is going to go? This is going to be totally off the rails quickly, I promise. <laughs> so, before we get to all that fun, episode 106, part one is sponsored by Steps Recovery Centers. Steps Recovery Centers is here to help you or a loved one get help as soon as you're ready to reach out. Reach out by visiting them on the World Wide Web at stepsrc.com. You can live chat with an intake coordinator, or you can just call their direct line. That's 801-800-8142. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast. Episode 106, part one is also brought to hey, wait, us Wait, before by, you move on from that, can I just say something? You know you It's can. about the ad. It's about your promo. Okay, go. Get ready. Even if your loved one's not ready... You be ready and call. Make a call. Even if your loved one's not ready to go to treatment yet, make a call to Steps, and they can walk you through some steps that will help you get your loved one ready. Call them now. Don't wait till they get ready. I apologize. Apparently, my foot hit the that's, camera. That's a really good point, right? Because there are some things you got to have in place before the intake process can, can yep. get rock and roll. Get moving. So. Don't wait till they get ready because sometimes they don't. Yep. I love it. All right. Episode Next. 106, part one, is also brought to us by Rise Up Supplements. Rise Up Supplements is a nootropic supplement line aimed at optimizing brain function and supporting mental health. We have two powerful brain blends. The first one is Mindful Mood. It helps decrease anxiety and enhance mood. I'm going to pass this over to Mallory, our little sample packs while I'm talking about them. Give her some samples of these. Mm. Our second powerful brain blend is Mind Shift. This increases focus and optimizes brain function. You can find these powerful nootropics at riseupsupplements.com. That's R-I-S-E-U-P-S-U-P-S dot C-O-M. And just think fire and ice, right? Like blue bottle, chill out like the ice. Red bottle, like get fired up. I'm fired up. Like increase brain function. There's the other one. I'm just getting philosophical during this whole promo. Wow. You know? You got carried away there. (laughs) All right. That's it for our sponsorships. Okay. So let's talk about New Year's uh, resolutions instead well, of New Year's Well, we usually do new and goods, but we have a new year. We do have a new year. So we don't want to know what's new and up. good. We want, we want to know what's going to be new and good. Should we start off with Mel? Why, you can start wherever you want because you're the, you're the ringleader of this <laughs> train. <laughs> you're the conductor of this train that's going off the rails. You Mallory Roosh. You try to drive us off the rails. Author, speaker. Lady in long-term recovery, what is your New Year's resolution for 2023? So for me, um, the whole New Year, New Me thing, you know, you hear a lot of people say people don't change, like they set these goals and then they end within the January month. And I think that is very common. And so for me, I think the thing that I really want to focus on or change about myself this year is consistency. Um, I tend to show it in some aspects, but there's other aspects that I really would just want to get better at. And that's going to the gym on every, you know, every day that I want to, or waking up early or, um, just being more consistent in, in the steps in life that I'm trying to progress. 
So consistency is going to be my my goal for this next year. Um, then obviously the the weight one that you know we all do. <laughs> so yeah, we'll definitely be working on those two things for myself. But I feel you on the consistent consistency thing. That is something that uh, I feel like I could also take a page out of that for sure. What about you, Doc? Well, new my, year, new Doctor Sellers. And listen, before we no. go here, I have evidence of the past two years, man. The past two years saying that new Doc. New Year was going to be on time, so don't even go there. No don't even go oh, there, no. buddy. You I love no, you, you have but no evidence but that. that New Year's resolution has died hard you twice. Have no evidence of that. <laughs> I was here at four, third time's a charm. I was here at four o'clock. What do you need from me? <laughs> yeah, four All right. Pacific time. Yeah, yeah. It's not Pacific time. It's it's dead gum. Four seventeen <laughs> now. New Year, New You. What's that look like for you, oh, dog? I'm going to do the same shit I did last year. Oh, <laughs> mark that. Yeah. I'm going to do the same stuff I did last year. You can just cut that completely out. Uh, now, listen, I, I've i been alive for so many New Year's now that I've, I've had more New Year's than anybody in the room, first of all. And I realize that New Year's resolutions tend to last till March. Hmm. Maybe. Right? So my New Year's resolution is to... Is, I think Mallory's already got mine to be more consistent to see if I can get the thing to last past March. So I have a guy that wants to be my trainer. It's a okay. guy I helped through recovery, and he's a gym rat, and he he doesn't owe me anything. I'm not, he's, but he doesn't want to charge me anything either. I'm a little conflicted as to whether I can actually do that or not. But he trains a lot, and he wants to be my trainer. And I'm like, yeah, I could sure use somebody to help motivate me with along those lines for sure. So. I'm thinking about um, hiring this guy as a trainer. I'll probably pay him a little bit, but um, I think that would be helpful for me. And then I'll go back to some of the old stuff again. I always view I'll trainers. I'll recommit to being on time. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, it's good. I'm going to work on my social media presence, which presence which I do every year for a minute. <laughs> At least till March, huh? Yeah. Well, he's actually working on that one. He actually found me on Facebook and wanted to be my oh, friend. Yeah. So I'm like, oh my Ooh, gosh, moving up. I'm now friends with Terry Sellers. Well, hold Sean on, Dinnerman Sean. That's, a friend. that's yeah, only that's a to story. review your posts and make arguments no, about what you posted. No, <laughs> not Sean, because Sean doesn't post things that I argue with. I love you, Sellers. We you got this, I, we got this great relationship. With? I'm glad I can give you a bad time. I argue with the, the COVID conspiracy people. That's most of my arguments. Secretly, that's me, just under false names. Yeah, probably. I'm just secretly a COVID conspirator. I need to just let it go. Listen, <laughs> it, it, the 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 logic of a, and I get it. This is as arrogant as I can be. Again, I'm get pretty, it, and I'm pretty arrogant. Get it. I get it. The uh, the logic of a physician arguing with a an electrician about viruses is beyond my comprehension. <laughs> like, why are these guys, th why do these guys think they know way more about viruses than me? Because they watch YouTube? I don't get it. Right. <laughs> like, everybody's a virus expert all of a sudden. And so I need to just let that go. You can let everybody be a virus expert. That's fine. Yeah. It's totally yeah. fine. But there's so much misinformation out there that, and, and this is a social media thing. Like, we've never had a virus with this much much misinformation around it. And part of it is the government hasn't always told us the truth, right? Yeah, and I think that we just live in a world today where people try to control the narrative, and there, so there's a lot of misinformation well, We've, we've in never had a virus with as much uh, social media stuff. Like, yes. everybody gets an opinion now, Yeah. right? And people that don't know anything about viruses have strong opinions, and... I guess it has to just be okay, but it, it bugs me a little bit. Yeah, so. working in the restaurant industry, like we, you know, after the whole pandemic happened, we all kind of went back to normal. Um, every time I was cashing someone out at the register, they had something to say about it. Oh, well, yeah. And like I have a bachelor's in healthcare administration, so I know, you know, quite a bit of medical stuff, but. What blows my mind are the people that have no medical background, have right. no experience, have never, you know, never got COVID, and then. All of a sudden, they know everything about it, and you know this is how it's going to go. And I just, I had to get to the point where I was just agreeing with whatever they said. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Come again. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to Sean. Sean Denovan. Oh, my New Year's New resolution. Year, New You. I, I'm huh? gonna, I'm opening up my own uh, drug rehab center. 
because are I, you? Well, I I saw a couple of videos on YouTube and watching you guys. Yes. And even though I've never yes. had an addiction issue at all, you're an expert. I know exactly what to say and do to help all you like problem people. So, Memorizing problem all your words. People, that's some strong language. <laughs> I like. Well, you know, because okay. yeah, I'm, I'm an expert now. Because you right. know, I'm, I'm, do you know how many emails I'm going to get about you <laughs> saying problem people? Uh-huh. Apparently, people just love to uh, write me. What? And oh yeah, and First listen. Of all, I just always write them back wait, wait, and say wait, wait. thank so, you. So thank the, you for the, your opinion. The second I open my mouth, we, we're going to put a little parenthesis there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sarcasm Disclaimer. with a little star, and then we'll kind of continue to the end. That's Disclaimer. the problem with social media. Disclaimer. Is people write sarcastic things, and sometimes I don't interpret them as sarcastic because you can't interpret. I was trying typing. to make a funny point, what you guys were talking was, about. It was, it was, and then you guys got hilarious. sidetracked when I said problem people. I, I was laughing. He, thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. He got sidetracked. I thought it was funny. I am a problem person. I'm perfectly DCI, Denovan Counseling Incorporated. Oh my, there we go. Hey, dude, you're on to something. So, oh so you guys can come gosh. see me, and I'll just tell you to get over it and, uh, yeah. you know. Buck up, sucker. Stop it. Stop it, therapy. Stop it. Stop it. All yeah. right, now go get a job. There you yes. go. Boom. All right, how much you guys charge for that? That's $15,000. <laughs> Boom. All right, I'm going to Cancun. Bam. You're rich. very nice. I'm going to start it. handing you money now. Hey, I'm, I'll be the first guy to apply. It, what was it again? DCI. Uh, DCI. DCI? Yeah. yeah. I'll be the I'll be the first guy at DCI. Yeah, what was it? Denovan Counseling Incorporated. I like it, it. Something like that. I like sure. it. Cool. And I didn't mean problem people. What? A disclaimer. I meant problem person. Sean Denovan. People with problems, which is all of us. Problem persons. Well, counseling is, <laughs> that's what you go to counseling for, right? Different problems. So it totally, I like it. If the shoe fits, wear it. We're wearing it. Okay, so. If the food does what? If the shoe fits, wear it. Oh, so we're wearing sorry. it. If the food. Someone's hungry. You can't catch me today, dude. I'm on mind shift today, and this brain is on fire, sellers. You've noticed I've gotten everybody's name right. I've gotten all the websites right. Oh, my gosh. This can brain's you, on can fire you spell today. Ma- can you spell Mallory? I spell it the same way everybody else does. No. Moving on. No, because <laughs> most people okay. spell it with two L's, so, and she does not. Listen, I've kind of been joking about this whole new year, new me thing, because I'm so sick of the TikToks about all this new year, new me. Like, is, is it even a thing? Like, it's almost comical, right? Because you see these videos now that get tons of hits and, and they repurpose the audio. Like, I'm going to be the same a-hole that I was last year. You know, like, it, it's That's almost become a resolution. joke. I he, like it. He dinged you for saying a-hole. So, that brings me to my next point. If you are out there and you are genuinely looking for permanent change... Right, mm. not just like the common every year New Year's resolution done in at the end of January, done it you know in March. Done in March, yep, well, that's me. Today we're going to talk about two books. The first book we're going to talk about is Atomic Habit by James Clear. For those of you that seen the audio version of this, this is what the book looks like. So this book is about tiny changes, remarkable results. And I really like it because it reminds me of Extreme Ownership by Jacko Willings and Leaf Babin. Like he, he talks about the topic and then he breaks it down into like everyday little examples, right? Like, listen, I like to pretend like I'm a smart guy. I'm typically not the smartest or brightest crayon in the box. So I like to have real world, like if I, if I read like a Oh man, Eckhart like, Tolle book. Yeah, you know, don't read new that. New Earth. Don't read that. Stuff. Like some of those concepts, I'm not too proud to admit, just blow my mind. I'm yeah. like, I don't even like. You start talking theory and all this crazy stuff, and you lose me. Uh-huh. So I really like how he's kind of broken down. You know, the small habits. One of the big things, and Mallory, I'm going to ask you about this. Is I kind of came to a chapter. I believe it's chapter three in his book, where it talks about what you identify as is very powerful. And it made me think of like the rooms and listen, I got nothing wrong with the rooms and I know that people identify like I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic as a way of reminding them one is too many and a thousand is never enough. But it also got me thinking like, if that's the story we're telling ourselves about ourselves, that's a pretty destructive story. And so it's just a different context. It's different perception. I'm not meaning any disrespect yeah, to anybody. Just a different perspective. Yeah. I actually love that you're bringing this up because Um, for those of you that are listening that know me personally, um, I no longer go to the room. So, um, that was something that was a a decision for me personally. Um, not because, you know, 
and there was anything wrong with it necessarily. But for me, what I found with myself was in the beginning, the first few years were amazing. I was learning what I needed to learn. It was building a foundation. Um, and I owe that to the 12 steps and to NA and I'm forever. Um, but what I saw that it was doing for me was it was causing me to, um, almost dwell in the past. I was losing this ability to progress forward because I was so focused on uh, what I could have done differently. And I do think there is an important period of like learning from your mistakes, mm. but I think a part and a piece of recovery that people never get to is, um, the moving forward and moving on. And I think that, you know, I used to, I had this argument actually with a friend one time and she goes, Mal, why do you say you're an addict? And I go, well, because I was, and she goes, yeah, you were, but why do you say it now? And she's like, it's just like smoking. If you quit smoking, are you going to go around telling people you're still a smoker? Like, so that's, that's it's actually crazy one you saw of, that. Yeah. That's actually one of the examples that he gives in the book that I think is really good. And doc, I'm going to come to you and ask you about this too. Oh, don't be asking me questions. I'm not ready. Okay, we'll just contemplate it while I talk about it. He talks about like, you know, if, if a group of people are together and, and, you know, somebody says, I haven't had a cigarette in 90 days, what he hears is that individual still identifies as a smoker. So they haven't truly made a change in the narration that they tell themselves about themselves. And so that change isn't necessarily permanent yet right? because they're still identifying, I'm a smoker. I just haven't, I've been absent for 90 days instead of saying, no, thanks. I'm not a smoker, mm -hmm. which is very powerful because it reinforces that change in not having a cigarette in 90 days. Absolutely. And I get that we're kind of, you know, we're splitting hairs here. It's a nuance, right? But what do you think, doc? What's your thoughts? Um, so understanding, to me, understanding the disease as I do, I do not have to have uh, drug or alcohol use to have the defective reward pathways in my brain still active. Okay. Right? I'm, I am comfortable with other people when they get to the point that they think they don't any longer need meetings. I have a different philosophy on that, and it's really just... Some people in meetings that I went to gave to me and I took from them. Absolutely. At this point, I have an obligation to give that back to other people. So that's why I still go. Which I don't feel like is I the need, 12th step, right? right? I don't feel like I need meetings nearly as much as I once did. And I understand that some people, for some people, it can even weigh them down a little bit. For me, I have an obligation to give back. That's why I keep going. So, uh, but I understand the concept of there's a, I mean, there's this, there's this thing that addiction is a lifelong thing. Like I, my, I'm I'm one or two dumb decisions away from using morphine again, I think. And I've been clean for 19 years. Right. Um, on the one hand, on the other hand, I've been clean for 19 years. Like yeah. it's, it would be a pretty gigantic decision for me to go back to using at this point after 19 clean years. And, all the great stuff that has happened to me and it, it's, it, it probably is one or two decisions, but it's two giant decisions, not two little tiny things. Like it would take a lot for me to screw this up at this point, I think. So, uh, I'm comfortable with both concepts because I don't really know the truth. I think that my brain still works that way sometimes, even in the face of having lost my license and a very nice home and a beautiful car and a whole bunch of financial security. I still once in a while think, hey, some morphine would be great right now. No. So but that, I feel like that's that pretty. I feel feels... like that's pretty human to, oh, it's you human. know, yeah, definitely think about those things. That what I think what makes the difference is <clears throat> the one awareness, you know, of those of being able to have those thoughts. And I think that when we have those thoughts, we don't want other people to know we're having those thoughts, and that's the problem. Is mm being able to voice when you're having those thoughts and taking the power out of that thought, right? Cause we have 60,000 thoughts go through our head a day and not all of them are truth. Um, but being you able have to 60,000, I have like six things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I probably have more than that. I'm pretty overthinker, but I just wanted to say that, um, I think sometimes, you know, at least for me in the beginning of recovery, I very much questioned, do I have to do this the rest of my life to stay clean? And the service thing is the most important thing for me. And luckily, at least in my circumstance, I've been able to provide service um, in so many other ways, you know, for me to be able to keep my recovery. Um, but 
I had to really design a life that I no longer wanted to escape, run, drown, or cope from. And because I've been able to do that, um, I honestly can say I haven't had those thoughts of putting a needle back in my arm ever. And I, I think that, you know, every situation is so circumstantial, but I think awareness is the most important thing. That's kind of what determines the whole progression from dwelling in the past, you know, just being able to be honest and, and that doesn't make it wrong to have those thoughts, you know, I, well I said, think, my friend, I think you I got hit a on a really key point. You yeah, want to go? Yeah, I, you can I, go. So, so a couple things. It's funny that this came up because I literally had a conversation with a client this week about it. Right. And this individual went on a pass, spent some time with his or her family, came back from the past and basically said, Hey, I've struggled with thoughts of using. And I said to this individual, if you have thoughts of robbing a bank, can you get arrested and criminally charged for those thoughts? And he or she's response was, well, no, of course not. And I said, you're right. It's the action of robbing the bank that gets you arrested. Right. And listen, if you have a brain that has been hijacked before, it's totally natural and totally normal to have thoughts, to have cravings, to have triggers. Like that's what relapse prevention therapy is all about. So to live in this idea or this false reality that you're just all of a sudden going to be cured and never have those type of thoughts. And maybe you don't for a long time, but the reality is at some point you're going to have those thoughts. And I think it was said very well, Mallory, it, it's what you do with those thoughts. Do you keep them a secret? How long do you let them sit in your head right. before you talk to somebody about it, before you implement a coping skill? Um, go ahead, Doc. I know you had something. Um, I did have something. I think it's key. One of the, she hit on a key point for me, and that is, to me, and this is for me. Again, I, I don't know that this is for everybody. It's for me. There are some things that I have to do to help me remain clean and sober. One of the things that I, that I think we have misconceptions about this thing sometimes is it's a chronic disease. And like every other chronic disease on the planet, most of them are not curable. High blood pressure is not very curable. Hmm. Diabetes, not very curable. A diabetic has to wake up and do some things every single day. They got to eat a, a very strict diet and they probably have to exercise and they have to watch their carbs and they have to check their blood sugars and they have to do these things, right? I have a similar chronic disease and I have to do some things for that. For some people that includes uh, going to a meeting, uh, for some people, that doesn't include going to a meeting. For some people, that includes just a little daily ritual that they do maybe in the morning. Or I don't know what it is for everybody, but I do know that it's a chronic disease. And to me, it's still sort of there. Like, I don't think I'm at a great risk of using, but I also don't think I'm like a normal human being either. I know my brain still thinks in the face of all the crap that's happened to me. Every once in a while, my brain thinks, hey... And particularly when I'm in pain, and I'm talking about physical pain, when I get a migraine, my brain goes to, hey, morphine would help right now. And it lasts about one millisecond because then I think of the DEA knocking on my doorstep and and knocking on my door, I mean, and it goes away quickly. But it's still there once in a while. It's I probably had this thought in the last three weeks sometime. I don't remember when, but. I'm so blessed to be in, sitting in this podcast room with these powerful people. I love it. This is great content in my mind. And thank you guys. To answer my own question, I respect why people identify as an addict or an alcoholic in the rooms. Because to me, I've, I've, I've been in it long enough to know that it's a humility thing. It's a powerlessness thing. It's a step one thing. By acknowledging I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic, it reinforces one is too many and a thousand is never enough. I also, like Mallory and Todd Sylvester, also appreciate the opinion. Well, and uh, Coach Blue also appreciate the perspective of I can identify differently today because I live a different lifestyle. So I'm kind of caught up in the dichotomy of both of those. I understand both of them. Again, back to the point of this, Atomic Habits by James Clear. He's got some really good stuff in there. If you want to make a permanent change in 2023... Definitely check out his book. We got another book we're going to get to as well. We, we're just full of great books today, sellers. You are. All yeah, books. We, <laughs> we got some good books today. Hey, listen, we got about a minute left here. When we come back, we're going to briefly touch on tips to stay clean during the holidays. We're going to let Dr. Sellers and Mallory 
get to give you guys some ideas on that. And then we're going to get to Mallory's book, Inspired to Recover. We always save the best for last, right? It's okay. like they got to listen to the entire episode <laughs> to get the goods. You know what I mean? Yep. So we have a little sponsorship mention coming up here. We appreciate you listening to episode 106. I am going to time this terribly. Also, while we got a little bit of time here, if you want to hear Mallory's story, she came on as kind of a, a content discussion topic guest today. If you want to listen to her story, go to episode 30, Angel Intervention with Mallory Roosh. Great episode, by the way. That was a fantastic episode. I listened to it again on the way down. I listened to it earlier this week, and too. And I was crying in my car. Wow. I know. She had, I, I was crying in my that's car. That's why I'm like, Mallory, I, you can't um, make me cry again. We got to talk about something different this time. It's a fantastic episode. We'll be back right after this little sponsorship mention. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become of the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back. Part two, episode number 106, Inspired to Recover. We're here with our guest, Mallory Roosh, who has written a book, and we're going to get to that in the second part. We kind of got... Uh, on some topics in the first part that were fun and enjoyable for sure. Uh, before we get to that, though, part two is sponsored by the Hilton Garden Inn. If you happen to be traveling through southern Utah, give them a Google search. Look up, look up type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They will take excellent care of you. They have great rooms. The rooms are very clean. The staff is super friendly. They have a great hot tub. They have a great pool. They have a nice weight room. Yeah, nice we love those gym. guys. Yeah, they're great. They're great to us. And so, again, I just love how clean shot. it is. It's so clean. Yeah, and a, a guy that has OCD just appreciates it. And it's cleaners. an older hotel. It's been around for a while. It is not yeah. a brand new hotel. Every brand new hotel is spotless, right? But you like, like walk in, the doors open up, and it just smacks you in the face. Yeah. Like you can just smell how clean and like, yeah, it's yeah. just, I it's love lovely. it. Okay. Um, so we were talking about, I, I, I want to summarize what I felt out of that conversation, and that is whatever works for you, for you right? It's not, there is no one magical way. There Absolutely. are some things that work for some people that flat out will not work for other people that are just, some people aren't wired, not everyone's wired the same way, right? Find what it is for you. But don't stop looking until you do find it, mm -hmm. right? I also, I also want to... I also want to get to tips to stay clean during the holidays, but yeah. Mallory during the break was, was saying, it's funny that we talked about this and, and go, would you mind sharing live on air kind of what you were talking about in, in some of this, trying to find your journey and your path and it may not look like somebody else's and that's okay. Right. Because everybody's, as long as you find something that works for you and you, you're staying clean and you're in, uh, practicing the principles that you learned, doesn't always have to look the same. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was just kind of sharing on the break that my journey so far has been one so, so unexpected. Um, if you would have asked me if I would have been a motivational speaker and an author 12 years ago, I would have told you you were a psycho. Um, <clears throat> but life just kind of created that for me and allowed me to be in positions to, to, to help people that the way that I'm, that I am. Um, but there was a few years where I was getting quite a bit of kickback, um, because I wasn't doing it the way that, you know, in the beginning, early recovery, the foundations being built, you're taught a very strict routine, right? Like in steps, you're taught a routine of waking up at a certain time, meals at a certain time, going to the gym. They're teaching you this self-discipline that we lacked so badly, um, in our addiction. And that's why it's so stern in the beginning. I believe the first 90 days is so important. 
but after probably about my fifth year um, in recovery, I stopped going to meetings um, for a few reasons. Uh, one, I my husband's a normie, and so he has been teaching me so many things that I, you know I couldn't have learned probably within a meeting. Um, just getting different perspectives from people who aren't addicts helped me a lot. Um, but also just, I didn't want to feel that feeling, which I, I'm sure some of you know this feeling of like, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? Do I have to do this every day or, you know, twice a week for the rest of my life? And that for me, I, I didn't want to feel like anything had that much power over me that without this, I can't succeed the way that I've been taught. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I just want to make sure to clarify that, um, I absolutely love NA. I love the 12 steps. I've been through my steps three times. Um, but it was really hard getting emails and messages saying, Mal, like you're not really in recovery. If you're not really, if you're not going to NA or you're not really doing this. And I just want everyone to know that like, like Dr. Sellers was saying that everyone has a different way of doing things and a different journey. And like, for me, my biggest healing came from writing my book. Like most books, they just tell you what happens. Right. But in my book, like I take you first person present tense with by the hand through everything I've been through and to be able to write that and relive all those as well as learn from every single scenario in that book that had so much healing for me to the point where I, I didn't have to continuously talk about certain things because I was able to use the solution and not dwell on the problem. I think, I think to some point, so if I look at objectively, if I look at the fellowship and what it stands for, I think there's some really great things in there. I think fellowshipping in general, creating a community around you of supportive, like-minded people is huge. Right. And I think that actually rolls into uh, some of the tips and tricks to get through holidays that are tough is by having good people around you. So they're great for that. Right. They also, if you look at it objectively, it's about self-improvement, right, Doc? It's about sure. taking a look at your weak spots. It's about taking accountability. It's about acknowledging that you're not a normie, like you can't socially drink, you can't socially use, like those aren't things that are on, on the table for you. It's about, you know, um, praying and meditating and, and making amends. There's so many beautiful principles in there. So I think that to say this is the only way is wrong. Are there some fundamental foundational things in there that are very vital? Absolutely. I think if somebody takes and works it and does it for a while. And then they find something else that works for them. That's still self-improvement and still, and they're still staying abstinent. I would consider, consider them still in recovery. Just yeah. me personally, my opinion, it's about bettering yourself. It's about learning, growing, developing. So I have a personal question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to like this question. I don't think, but that's oh, no. all right. Okay. Did you struggle with step one? Did I struggle with the powerlessness? Powerlessness. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you why I asked the question, because um, I can't remember if we were off the air or whether we were on the air when I said, I listened to the last episode you were on in my car on the way down, and I was crying. It was an excellent episode, by the way, and a really powerful story and a and kind of gut-wrenching, frankly. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, it's your story. You didn't invent it, but it's pretty gut-wrenching. Um but you mentioned something in there too about you weren't going to do, you weren't going to be forced into it. Like you don't, you she wanted to be inspired. You like being in control a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I wonder how you struggled, how you felt about step one. Yeah, I've definitely always been um, the survivor mindset and personality came way before the actual addiction for me. I was that way even as a child. I think part of that was because, one, I had an absent father and my mom was struggling with her own alcoholism at the time. So, yeah, I grew up pretty quick. And in the beginning of like when I started drug court and inpatient treatment, that was literally my biggest problem. Um I didn't want to be told when I had to eat, when I had to go to bed, I, you know, at all. Um, <clears throat> but when it came to Chuck, um, the hero in my book and the man that saved me, so, so open and willing to give up control because it was done in a way of love and not force, almost like this negative notation that was coming from it, right? Like, again, kind of that punishment versus inspiration. I think that 
um, that concept is something I've been learning so much about with being a mom now. Like I have a three and a five year old and, um, it's really hard to, to not just doesn't a mom knows best, you know, don't ask me why, but I have to really step back and, and just use what Chuck did for me with my children as well. And just anyone that I, that I have any kind of contact with when it comes to this stuff. But yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. Was, Which actually isn't uncommon. Sure. Very, very common in recovery, especially in treatment, because listen, there's a thing called as a counselor, I monitor this all day long. And I know I've talked about it, internal versus external motivation, right? People that have external motivation, judges, uh, probation officers, doppel, can they be, can they find recovery and be successful? The answer is yes. I did. Are the numbers lower for people that have internal motivation versus external? Yes. People that are internally motivated, people that are inspired, people that go, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of being sick and tired. I want a new life. I, I, I'm tired of this nightmare that I'm living. Those people typically have a much higher success rate of staying abstinent and being living a life in recovery than people that are externally motivated. Absolutely. So that absolutely makes sense. And again, I feel like sometimes psychology and counseling and therapy cross there's, they're not, um, parallel lined with sometimes traditional, um, literature and, um, fellowship things, which I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying sometimes there's kind of a crossover there. Right. So it's not uncommon. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. I mean, we know that. Listen, let's, let's hypothetically, we're get, we're taking a left turn yep. here. Yep. It's okay. Cause I want, I want the content for sure. Somebody comes to you, you're a doctor. They, they are type two diabetes, right? Yeah. And you tell them, Hey, listen, you need to exercise. You need to monitor your blood sugar. You need to eat healthier. How many of those people say, doc, just give me a pill. I want the easy way out. Every one of them. Right. Because the likelihood of them following through on what they actually, the fundamentals they actually need to do is terrible. Everyone, but listen, I can tell you the best way to treat your type two diabetes. Actually, I, I, I have some experience with that. Like it's yeah, not sure. way out of my realm. Type two diabetes is something I deal with a fair amount. I can tell you how to treat your type two diabetes. You can come to me and say, I don't want to do any of that and r write your own program. But if your blood sugars are normal on your program, I don't care. Sure. Right? You wouldn't be there in the first the place. The end result is we're trying to keep your blood sugars normal. Yeah. If you run a path to recovery that's different than somebody else, but you're clean and sober, I don't care. The final common thing is try to stay clean and sober because not being clean and sober, I can't speak for you, but I heard your story, so I sort of can, ruined my life. Not being clean and sober ruined my life. Mm. Sounds like it ruined yours. Sounds like it ruined yours. For sure. So the final thing is stay clean and sober. If you find a way to do that that's different from traditional ways, great. Good for you. Then follow that path. Right. I love it. Let's talk about tips right. to stay clean during yep. the holidays. I've already given my we, one. We got to get through Build this. a community or a tribe around you. Again, fellowship, they're great for this. If you meet some people in the rooms, A-A-N-A-S-A, mm, right. whatever, you know, flag you, you fly, Fantastic. I used to have a sponsor. His name was John. And he used to say, Jared, what happens 15 minutes before the meeting and what happens after the meeting is more important or just as important as the meeting. And I never got that until I understood having people around me that would support me and were going through the same things I was going through and didn't look at me or judge me like I was some kind of freak, right? Was very helpful. So I think that's a huge tip or trick is surround yourself with positive, like-minded people that are trying to stay clean in recovery. So the key to that for me is, um, so if I go to a new year's Eve party, I'm probably just going with my family. Like I, I'm not a big party guy, right? I'm probably just going somewhere and we're going to be as a family together and celebrate the key to me. And this is tough in early recovery is everyone in my life knows that I don't use drugs or drink. Hmm. Right. And it's harder in early recovery because sometimes you're ashamed and you don't want to let your secrets out and blah, blah, blah. But the more people you share that with, the safer you'll be because mm -hmm. I'm not going to have a bunch of alcoholics at my New Year's Eve party because my one alcoholic brother died and the rest of my family's not alcoholics. So I'm not going to be surrounded by much alcohol 
but my family knows that if somebody, for some reason, brought alcohol, if I go to drink it, my family's going to say, hey, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's almost like you're creating your own obstacles. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. So Valid. I think that's a key. Like, let other people know what you're trying to do with your life. Yep. Valid. What do you got for us, Mallory? Um, so <clears throat> for me, service, not self. I think the holidays can definitely become um, a selfish mindset sometimes. And um, when I'm helping other people, I don't have time to think of myself. You know, I think that also can just take away yourself from sitting in this depression and anxiety of thinking of all the negatives that could be or could be going wrong. Um, I taught my girls, my three and five year old, we build a box for a switch point every year. Um, we have to get rid of all their old toys and stuff and clothes and we take that over and my girls love it and they look forward to it every year. Um, but service for sure. Anytime you're helping anyone. Great key. Yeah. I love that. Great key. Quick, couple of quick tips. Or um, you're invited to a party where you know there's going to be something, some celebration that includes substances or alcohol. Mm -hmm. What's your tips for you? You feel obligated to go to that party. What are you going to do? Sure. Like for a lot of people that don't live in Utah, sometimes when you go to a work party, there can be alcohol oh, served. For sure going to be and, alcohol. And maybe you want to stay. And even at Utah work parties. Yeah. A fair amount. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and you want to stay absent in that time period, but right. you also want to keep your anonymity because you don't want your employer knowing. And maybe sure. it's one of those situations like Doc saying that, that you be. can't tell. Right. I would say take an accountability partner. Okay. You know, last weekend when me and my wife traveled to Salt Lake to spend Christmas with my family, I never go to Salt Lake City by myself. Never. That's been a key, a staple in my recovery for eight years. That was my playground. That's where I ran amok. I refuse to go. Now, listen, even if I'm driving through Salt Lake City on I-15, I will call somebody when I get to a certain point and I will just tell them, I just need you to stay on the phone with me until I until I get a couple exits down. And most of the people that are my support network know exactly what that phone call is. So an accountability partner is huge. Somebody that's going to stay by your side. It sounds like that's what you share, Doc, right? Your family is your accountability partner. Sure. What do you sure. think, Mal? Yeah, I, Quick that's tip, what I kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. was the accountability partner. But, um, <clears throat> I also think to on a kind of a positive note of if you take your accountability partner, I think that a lot of people are scared to be in situations like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I, I invite them. I would love to be around those types of situations because for me, and I'm not saying bars or stuff like that. I'm saying if I go to a family, um, party or a, a work party and there's alcohol around, like I am building this ability of self-discipline one. Okay. I'm testing my self-discipline. I'm testing my ability and strength to, um, counteract the thoughts that may be coming through my head. It's almost like, um, I allow myself to be tested in a secured circumstance, a secured situation. Now, I just want know. to clarify how much, how much time in recovery do you have? September 14th. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Definitely so not in the beginning. I love the answer. I did love yeah. the answer. Thank I just want to clarify that. Cause that is <laughs> yeah. not something we would preach to somebody in very early. Right. Yeah. Recovery. And that, that's why I clarify with an accountability partner all the time. But when you get to a certain point, yes. um, it is very amazing to see the progress that you've made and be able to, um, not have the same thoughts that you've had being in that situation. Cause it doesn't, it won't bother you forever. Have, have you been to a bar in recovery? No. Okay. <laughs> no. That's okay. I mean, uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. She did, but she did hit on something though. Well, Go ahead. No, you hit it. She did hit on something. Every time you're faced with a trigger or a craving and you find a way to overcome it. Now Thank listen, you. don't go testing yourself in early recovery. <laughs> yeah. That's right. a disclaimer here. But every time you, you face a stimulus, a, a, something, a stimuli, and you overcome that, you're working the neural pathway in a different way. Exactly. You haven't fallen back into that neural pathway and the brain is right. It, it's constantly developing neuroplasticity. So you're overcoming it. You're working a different neural pathway than you have in the past. Well, and let's be real. You're going to face it again. You're going to face it. There's going to be times where you have these things around you. And even if you're not being put in a situation where you knew it was going to be around you, I've had multiple times where I have had my drug of choice, you know, near me or around me. I found someone near me that had it. And that for me, like if I can't get over that fear and build this strength of like overcoming, I, I can rewire my brain to really just see it as not something that's a boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like 
it doesn't become so controlling, I guess. Yeah, I like it. Um, I don't really have much more. I had a thought, but it left me, so I think we need to get to a book. I'm sorry, yeah. Let's get to the book. Inspired. I, I want to I wanna just lead in with uh, why, why. Why'd you write a book? What was the inspiration to write a book? Um, <clears throat> so after my hero died, Chuck. Um, yep. Go back to the episode 30 again. People. Yeah, yeah, go back. Um, Chuck was a probation officer. Yeah, I actually, after his passing, I went and I grabbed a journal and I wrote down everything that I could remember about him. Mm. Um, his advice, his lessons, his humor, his just mm. moments and memories that I knew um, my memory would forget because in my addiction, that was kind of the, the thing that I can see long term that has affected me is my memory. Um, so I wrote down everything that I could remember and all of a sudden I filled up this book and I was like, I know what I got to do. I'm going to write a book. Um, so in the beginning, I started writing. So you wrote down everything. You wrote down everything you could remember about him before you had the thought to write a book. Yes. As you're writing that stuff down, then you yep. get the inspiration. It was I, more I like a journal. This in a book. Okay. Yep. It was okay. more like a journal. Yep. All right. Uh, and so then, what's yeah. the next step then? Once you decide, I got to write a book. Yep. And then once I was like, I'm going to write a book, I just started writing. Um, I think a lot of people don't know where to start. That's mm. where to start. Just start mm -hmm. writing. Um, that's why I created my journal that's on Amazon to help people create their journey, write their journey. Um, just start writing. And then there's people out there that can help you, you know, with all the logistics and stuff of it. But the yeah, publishing, the licensing, the editing. People yeah. are worried that they don't, that their grammar's not perfect or their. Yep, none right. of that matters. Right. Exactly. Nope. Look at the artwork, though. I'm just so impressed. I got to show it. Inspired to Recover by Mallory Roosh. I, I, I just think that it's. It's it's eye attracting, literally, because well, there's an because eyeball, there's an on eye it. on it. Yeah, you gotta remember an addict's it's... journey through active addiction and healing. Go ahead, Mel. I was just gonna say, I it's reflecting my tattoos. So yeah, I like it, it. The tattoo oh, means I choose gosh. to live. She has an eye on but her yeah, arm. that is what the book is for. So it stands for I choose to live. Well, tell us about the book. Where can people find it? Let's get that because I, I know there's somebody out there that's just like, just tell me where I can find the book. Yeah, so the book is on Amazon. You can get the ebook and the paperback. Um, my website, rooshrecovery.com, you can order on there. And then I always have some on me, so I try to deliver as much as I can locally to anyone um, myself. Where do so. you live? And thank you for the book for me today. I yeah, of that. course. Uh, I live right by Costco. So. You live here in St. George? Yep. Okay. St. George, Utah listeners from out of state. Yeah. We always forget that we have listeners everywhere. At state, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. St. George, Utah, not St. George in the Virgin Islands. <laughs> that would be cool, I though. Think I would be cool with that. in the Virgin Islands. But, um, okay. So are you on any other, are you like on Audible? I, How do you get on I'm Audible? I'm in the process, huh, <clears throat> of uh, getting in that Audible situation. We've talked Ooh. about it. Ooh. I have hey, just had I, a lot I going know on. a guy. <laughs> Yay, This good. is where Sean Denneman comes in. <laughs> I could totally help you out. Yeah, I just help, help some guy get his second book on Audible. Heck yeah, yeah, so that's come talk to me. My next step for sure. All right, well, Sean, there you go. Yep. So as far as writing the book, last time you came on episode thirty, I'm just going to do another plug. Angel intervention with Mallory Roosh. During that time, you were actually in the process of writing this book, mm -hmm. and then the journal came out first. Mm -hmm. You release a journal first. I don't stalk you, I promise. You, just, you know, we just both do this thing, so right. respect, right? Real recognize real. Yes. Um, at what point when you came on this podcast, because I know you've been on several, were you in this book when you were episode 30 with us? How long ago was that episode? Probably almost a year ago? Yeah. Yeah, at least. Mm, so I would say I was... It was more than a year ago. Yeah, because it took me a year and a half to complete the book from beginning to end. Um, that was including the publishing. Um, so I'd probably say I was um, pretty close to probably halfway at that point. Um, and lately, you, you've gotten a lot... You like you go, you go do a lot of speaking gigs where you go to schools, mm -hmm. you go to events. So... Yeah. Did you finish the book before you started? Because you were talking about the book on our episode. Did you finish the book before you started doing these speaking events? Um, no, actually, I didn't. So again, like people think the 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 journey is so hard, but really, it's just one step at a time. Like my publisher was like, "Why would you wait until your book is done to get out there and start doing what you want to do?" Mm. And you know, sharing the knowledge that you already have that you're going to be putting in that book. And I was like, "Okay, okay, I get that." 
Um, so yeah, no, I hadn't finished the book before I started speaking. Once I did finish the book, I think that's kind of where the wave of credibility came in, um, where people started calling me and I was no longer, you know, calling other people to get things scheduled. But, um, yeah, the book has helped so, so much. I, I honestly just got to say like the reviews that I've been getting, they're so heart warming for me because it shows me that one, my addiction wasn't, wasn't a big waste of time, right? It happened for a reason. Um, Todd Sylvester always used to say like life happens for us. Absolutely. I was stuck in this window of like, why did this happen? Why did, why did I go through addiction? Obviously it was for a reason. And, um, why I'm, you know, what I'm doing today is, is incredible. It blows my mind every day that I get to do this, but the reviews are, are, they tell, they say that it's different because I'm taking you through every emotion, every concept, every mistake, every, um, every heartbeat of the whole book. So it's more than just a linear story. You're you're including your emotion, your mind, your mindset, the thoughts that you were having. Yep. I don't know one person that hasn't cried um, during the book. It definitely is one. Sure I will. (laughs) It will cry. Um, but I do kind of what we were talking about earlier with the atomic habits book that you were saying is I, I put the real life scenario, the real life lesson is this is what happened. And then this is what I've learned from it. And this is what came from it. Right. So I allow, it's almost like a, a, a path of allowing the, the reader to question their own thoughts and their own way of thinking of being able to identify their own um, circumstances and what they have learned throughout those, you know, what they can take from them. Yeah. All right. We're about out of time. we got 30 seconds left. Really critical. Again, how do people get a hold of you? Okay. My Facebook and uh, Instagram is Roosh Recovery. R-U-E-S-C-H Recovery. Um, and then RoosHRecovery.com is my website. You can get my book there. Right now um, for New Year's Eve, I'm doing a big deal. So $19.99, come get your book. Fantastic. Go check out. Go ahead. It was lovely having you on. Please look her up and happy new year to everybody. Happy new year. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.